This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hi, everybody. I hope you can hear me now. I'm not too sure if anything came through. So I just wanted to say thank you to Apostle Fee and Dr. Bear for this opportunity of being able to share with you. And we have opened in prayer. The presence of God is here. And I want to tell you, the devil's tried so many times to stop this message. So I know that this is for you tonight, each one of you in the auditoriums, in the venues, as well as you online. You know, Apostle Theo often quotes... Edmund Burke. But before I go there, I want you to know, family, we are not going to stay silent. And I don't know about you, but I really just loved this time of celebration of standing on the word. Edmund Burke says this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Isn't that true? You see, in Job chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, therefore, I will not keep silence. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And I'll tell you, I feel this at this time. There just seems to be so many compromises of God's word to the point where distinguishing between right and wrong has now been redefined to my right and your right. In other words, there's no more wrong. If it feels good, just do it. I believe that this really, the prayer of King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, is an anthem for us at this time because he says this Give your servants a discerning heart to govern your people, to distinguish between right and wrong. There is a difference. This, I believe it's time for the church to rise up and not to remain passive to the sin that is really so prevalent all around us. Apostle Theo often tells us <laughs> that actually the cause of our problems is actually right under our nose. In other words, our mouths. What is it that we are saying or what are we not saying? Mark Murdoch says this. He says that every problem that we have is the one we have permitted. You see, family, God has given us authority. And yet, if we look right now, the Marriage Act is being redefined I mean, the, there's a worldwide pandemic that's killing Christians and non-Christians alike. The, really, the, the corruption in our country is brazen. And the government doesn't have the answers, but actually we do. And, and I know many of you in the church, you've devoted time to pray with us every single day at 8 o'clock. And that's been so amazing. And for many of you, I know that that's impossible. But family, I want to tell you, we want to stand at this time. We want to stand together for the safe reopening of our churches. We want to stand for the removal of the limitations in our churches. We need to stand together to do this. And let's remember that one will put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand to flight. How much more effective will we be if we stand together in our thousands? You know, Psalm 35 and verse 22, it says, Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. You see, I love the scripture because I want God to undertake for me, but take it to the next level. I mean, we are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth, right? We are the voice of God on the planet today. Are we speaking grace and truth into the death and destruction around us? Are we serving the body with the gift that God has placed inside of us? Are we demonstrating his goodness? 
In James 4 and verse 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, too often I see folks and they're resisting the devil. But let's remember, family, there's a condition there that we need to be submitted to God. You see, submitting to God simply means that I, I allow God, Christ, to live his life through me. Obeying the word of God in every situation, carrying out my calling to make a difference according to the gift that he has given us. Family, while speaking out is so important, let's remember this, unless we are living this life, our words are going to lack integrity. Someone said, I can't hear the words that you're speaking because your actions are speaking so loudly. And so this evening, the title of my message is Walk the Talk. You see, speaking God's word should match our commitment to God, should match the way we treat our spouse, our children, and the people around us, the way we keep our promises. In Numbers chapter 30, verse 22, it says, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. I mean, when we said our salvation prayer, we didn't doubt that God was going to do his part. But are we doing ours? When we said our wedding vows, are we checking up on our spouse to see if they're doing their part? But are we doing ours? Simply put, family, if we believe in the power of our words, are we demonstrating it in our actions? You see, God actually is the only promise maker that has never broken his promises. So let's have a look at how we can all be more effective in doing the same thing. I want to have a look at this word promise. It's actually from the Latin word, which is promotera, and it means this. It means pro means forward, and matera means to send. So it's, it's not for the now, when things may be looking all good and warm and, warm and fuzzy. You know, maybe I've just got born again, or maybe it's my wedding day, but it's actually for some future event, okay, when maybe things don't look so rosy. So I'm going to send this promise into the future as an anchor to protect me from me. I'm not going to react to my feelings, but to my promise, to my words, to my covenant commitment. You see, if we look at this definition of promise, it's a declaration I make now, which is needed in the future. So when we commit to God, it is that he's going to take us to an eternity to be with him, right? In heaven. But family, what is our part? Our part is that we allow him to live through us now on the earth. We commit to our spouse for the rest of our lives. I want to give you three promises that we can actually make to ourselves, that we can keep so that our words can carry weight, backed by our actions and behavior. The first promise I can make to myself is this, is I promise to respond and not to react. You see, for, for many of us, the moment something 
goes bad or it's inconvenient or it's irritating. What happens? We just have a hiffy fit. We throw all our toys out the cart and we send that email and we send that voice note. And listen, I'm talking to myself here, so it's fine. Just <laughs> take it on the nose, right? And the worst thing is, is that you find out, well, actually, maybe I misunderstood or, or maybe I didn't have all the information or maybe the error was on my side. And yeah, here's a good place to start. Okay, we all have those triggers, you know, those things, man, when it happens, your blood just boils, you know, like some, you've heard that somebody said something mean about somebody that you love, or, or you're driving on the highway and somebody cuts you off, <laughs> or, or somebody doesn't listen properly, and then they do exactly the opposite of what is expected, so you know what that trigger is, right, and when it happens, do yourself a favor, just stop, I mean, count to 10. Consider if it's actually even worth getting upset about. Check the facts. Don't go on hearsay. And then respond rather than react. And mostly we find that once we've cooled off, it's easier just to let it go. And here's the thing. It could be that you actually think you actually know something about something and you don't know the whole story at all. The Bible actually speaks about being slow to speak See, family, harsh words can never be retracted. That's what destroys relationships. You know, someone says that life is actually 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to what happens to you. And our goal is to be like Jesus, right? Then just watch this. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 23, it says, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When, they, when he suffered, he made no threats. He was taking the ultimate punishment, family, for something he did not do. This is the ultimate injustice of the ages, that Jesus had to be punished for our wrongdoings. And he made no threats as they drove those nails to his hands and his feet. And here's what he was teaching us to do, is to entrust himself to his heavenly father who judges justly. Now, we as parents, when we lose it with our kids, let's remember that we are representing God to them. So do yourself a favor, take a walk, listen, seek the father's wisdom, and then respond as the father would. You know, we wear a bracelet that said, says, what would Jesus do? Man, but <laughs> when we're hopping mad, we don't even look at it. And even with, with emails and social media, I mean, just reread it the following day before you push that send button. And then ask yourself, does this display godly character? Winston Churchill makes this amazing statement. He says, it takes courage to stand up and speak. But it also takes courage to sit down and listen. And sometimes we actually need to be silent. Romans 12 and verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We can actually change a bad situation into something good if we just respond positively. So respond, don't react. Will help, help us to be promise keepers. Secondly, I promise to focus on the good and not the bad. You see, in every person, 
we can find something good and we can find something bad. And unfortunately, in our society, we tend to kind of focus more on the bad. I mean, we know in 1 Corinthians it says that we shouldn't keep a record of wrongs. And maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to have a record of rights. You know, actually in the book of Psalms, it's all about that, all these amazing things that God has done for us, right? And I, I really like... I like starting my day with listening to Mad Redmond's 10,000 Reasons because, you know, family, it just helps me to focus on all the things that God has blessed me with. And it helps me just to say thank you that I had a bed to sleep in last night, that I've got a job, that I've got my family and so many things. Just getting my heart filled with gratitude because sometimes we can sabotage our own faith when we, things take a little bit longer than we want to wait we get impatient with God. But what are we saying? Or what are we confessing? See, this, this song just helps me to remember that God's word never fails. He's done it before. He's going to do it again. And in a marriage, <laughs> right, you know, they say opposites attract. Well, I tell you, we've done enough counseling to find out that opposites attack. That's what happens after a while. Now, I can tell you, I mean, Pastor Sarah and I, mean, there are just so many areas that we are polar opposites. When we go on holiday, I love to relax in the sun with a book. I love the outdoors. I like light, healthy meals. And when I get in the car, I want to see if I can break my previous record of getting to wherever I am. And the amazing thing is this, is that unlike these male-female profiles, I mean, I'm the one that likes the bottom line. I'm not really into the every detail. My hubby, he doesn't really like lying in the sun. He says it's too hot. He hates swimming. He likes rich foods. He's a courteous, patient driver. And when he tells a story, I mean, people hang on his every single word. And I'm like, just tell me how it ended. <laughs> but you know, family, there's just so many things that I really admire about my hubby, and I choose to focus on those. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are times I want to say to him, listen, you're actually driving like Daisy Duck, but I don't, sorry, baby, I don't say it. <laughs> right, so here's the thing. <laughs> the very thing that you fell in love with becomes that thing that actually bugs you the most, and that's the thing you want to change. And think about it, why? Because you want things to go your way. <laughs> you see, generally in relationships, we, we have to understand that really that we all have our own way of doing things. We own, have our own way of dealing with things because God has made us all to be unique. Ruth Graham said this when, you know, how she felt about her husband, Billy Graham, being on, on crusades for seven out of 12 months a year. And she would say, you know what? Five months with Billy is better than 12 months with anybody else. Focus on the good stuff. We have to look at the 10,000 reasons for my heart to find to be positive. It is a choice. Philippians 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, nobody's excluded. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We have a choice to ponder on the good things. It continues to say that the peace of God will be with you. You see, family, when we're rejoicing about the things that we love, about our spouse, our children, and the people around us, it's so easy to overlook the things that 
we see as faults. And maybe we are the ones that need to change. That's a good place to start. Let me just add, if there are behaviors maybe in your spouse or in your children that do not line up with the word, it is speaking really the word over them in prayer that will change things. Not criticizing, condemning, and complaining. Praise them for the things that they do that line up with the word. And so my promise to myself is, is that I choose to respond, not to react, that I look for the good in every person. And here's the third, is that I promise to talk and not walk. Let me clarify, I'm not gonna leave. I think it was also Ruth Graham that said this. She said, if he goes, I'm going with him. <laughs> you see, we need some stickability back in our society. I mean, stick with what is right. And so my promise to myself is that I know there may be times of disagreement, but to talk it out, not to walk out. And if God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers, family, I need to stand in faith, not stop coming to church. You see, if offenses pile up, they turn into bitterness and unforgiveness. And those things have got roots that are hard to pluck out. And they bear fruit that really affect our spirit, soul, and body. In Ephesians 4 and verse 26, it says, it says, anger, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Solve it every day. When you get angry with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, resolve it and move on. I want to tell you the best friends are the ones that have been through those deep waters and come out of the other side stronger. You know, sometimes people get mad at God and then they don't speak to him. That's a bad move, right? I just, uh, verse 27 says this, do not give the devil a foothold. You see, that's what happens when we allow that stuff to, to stay inside of us. We're actually opening the door to the devil. So we have to resolve to stand strong. Otherwise, we will open that door. So respond, don't react. Look for the good in people. And when the going gets tough, sort it out. We want our words and our actions to line up. And the place to start is in our homes and in our relationship with God. Now, you know, years ago, there was a rock song that, was that came out, which was called Turn, Turn, Turn. Now, if you know who it is that sang that song, I dare you to post it right now. If you don't know, don't Google it, right? The words of the song come straight out of the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I've asked Andrew if he would just sing us a few lines. Could you do that right now? Thank you, Andrew. Go ahead. There's a season turn, 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 and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to build up, a time to break down, a time to dance, a time to mourn. straight out of the book of Ecclesiastes, and it says there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, 
and a time to die. And it carries on that way. And it's quite amazing because then in verse 5, there's suddenly this verse that says, A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Now, I kind of always wondered where that fits it in. And I'm going to just share this with you tonight. And I hope really that it brings revelation as it did for me. You see, in those days, in their culture, stones were used to inflict pain. They were used as weapons, one could say. They were also used to execute. We know in the Bible it speaks about the stoning of individuals who disobeyed God's laws. They're not always justified if we remember Stephen. So having a stone in my hand means I'm going to hurt you because you hurt me, right? The Bible says there's a time that you think that's the right way to do it. But instead of throwing them at somebody, you can gather them. We want Christ to live through us, right? And we know that there's a time Jesus rebuked. But also the Bible gives us a pattern for how we should go about rebuking. And the purpose is always that we are called to reconcile people to God. Consider this, we can hurt them or we can let God change us. You see, there's a time to scatter stones, but then there's a time to gather them and make an altar before the Lord. Now, a great Bible story that really demonstrates this is found in the book of Genesis. A story we all know very well, and it's about Jacob who fell hopelessly in love with Rachel. Maybe I should have spoken about this on Valentine's Day. And her dad made this agreement that Jacob could work for him for seven years, and then he would receive her hand in marriage. And I love this because the Bible says that he loved her so much that it felt just like it was a few days. However, come the wedding day, um, bearing in mind in those days, the ladies would wear these veils over their heads and their faces, and they would only come into the bridal chamber in the dark of night. And Jacob only found out the following morning that he married the wrong sister. He married big sister Leah instead of, of Rachel, right? And Jacob was hopping mad, and he stormed into Laban's house, and he said, you broke your promise. You told me I would have Rachel, and now I'm married to Leah? And Laban was like, well, that's our culture, you know. We have to uh, marry off the, the, the first daughter first, uh, the oldest daughter first. I mean, you think you could have told him that, like the seven years before that he was working in fact, Jacob ended up working for Laban family for 20 years. And would you believe that he messed him around all through that time, changed his wages 10 times over. He said he was going to pay him this, and then he paid him something else. You think Jacob had reason to want to pick up a few stones, right? And then Laban tricks him again. He says, you work for another seven years, and then you can, you can get married to Rachel next week. I mean, imagine 20 years of broken promises, the built-up hurt, the animosity, and yet all the time Jacob is aware of the fact that he has to respect this man. It's his father-in-law. He's living on his land. He has to submit to him, right? And Laban is meant to be a man of covenant. And that's why Jacob came to him in the first place, because he didn't want to marry the pagan woman in the area, right? So he gets to a place where instead of reacting he decides that he's going to take his girls and his children and his livestock and he's going to separate from Laban. So he packs up his family and his children and his servants and his possessions and his wives and he leaves when Laban and his sons are shearing sheep elsewhere. Man, Laban returns 
and he finds out that they are gone, and he is as mad as a snake. You can imagine. I mean, everything packed up, his children, his grandchildren, all their possessions, and he starts chasing them. But you know what, family, the night before that he, this confrontation with Jacob, an angel appears to Laban, and obviously I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, right? And he says to him, don't you dare do what you think you're going to do to Jacob. I really just feel that the Lord is speaking to somebody today. You don't need to do that thing that you're planning to do. I want to ask you right now just to allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to your heart because there, there is a better way. You can go there and you can fight and you can get what you think is yours and you, you can take them to court and you can take them to the CCMA, but you can do it a different way. So Laban meets with Jacob and Jacob says to him, instead of fighting, have a look at this. In Genesis 31, verse 44, he says, come now, let's make a covenant, a promise with each other, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. And so Jacob took the stone and set it up as a pillar. And he said to his pillars, to his, uh, to his sorry, to his um, relatives, gather some, some stones. So instead of throwing these rocks, and I deserve to do it, but I'm not gonna do it. Let's gather them. Let's set it up as an altar and let's worship our God and let God heal our hearts instead of using these stones to destroy each other. And so they took the stones and they piled them up in a heap and they ate there at the heap. We see this here. See, eating was a sign of sealing the covenant and now this relationship is mended. So what does it take, family, to bring peace and reconciliation into our relationships? I'm gonna just give you three points that I really believe that can help us to stand for truth. The first thing is, is that I acknowledge my own mistakes. I mean, just maybe I've got a stone in that pile too. So if I'm gonna grab all my offenses, Laban, you said this. Laban, you said you're gonna pay me this. Rachel was supposed to be my wife. And I can throw those stones or else I can start gathering those stones and make an altar. You see, if you look carefully, you're going to find a rock in that pile too with your name on it, my name on it too. Because you see, we will never have to forgive somebody more than we have already been forgiven by our Heavenly Father. Imagine He had to start exposing our shortfalls, our faults, our failures, our wrong decisions. In Romans 3 and verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does all mean again? Yes, it means all. You see, healing begins when I acknowledge, right, that I also have got a stone in there. And it changes my attitude from being vengeful to gratitude for what God has forgiven me for. And then watch what God can do in your hearts. So when I acknowledge that I have rocks in the pile, I need to let the ones in my hand go. Number two is to abandon my rights to, give, to get even, even if I have every right to get even, maybe I should just let it go. And it doesn't always seem fair. And I'm not talking about if somebody committed a crime against you, like if you've been raped or assaulted or something like that. That's why we have a, a police force and a justice system and that must prevail. I'm talking about getting revenge. 
See, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If you feel that you've been wrong, God says, I'll take care of it. That is the power of God. I've got a rock in the pile, but there's one in my hand. If I let it go, number three, apply God's grace to others. See, God's grace is not fair. It's unmerited favor. Grace says that I'm gonna give you something that you do not deserve. In fact, the fact that I'm standing here tonight, I mean, you better believe it is amazing grace because I know me. I remember when I was too fearful to say boo to a goose. You see, God's grace, not only does he remove our shortfalls, but he empowers us beyond our wildest dreams. Now, there's a story about a very powerful businessman, tough, ruthless man who had a, Chris, a Christian friend who never witnessed to him because he was really so intimidating. And time passed, this businessman was on a business trip at one time, and somebody started telling him about the freedom that he could have in Jesus. And he was dramatically born again. And you know, he went, his whole demeanor changed. He even looked like a different person. And meeting up with his Christian friend again, he kind of said to him, you know what, I understand that maybe you never felt the opportunity to witness to me, but I wish you had just told me about the immense freedom I would get if I just let go of all the unforgiveness and the offenses, that unbearable weight that has been released from my life. You see, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. We can feel the effects. Just let it go. And we will know that weight that has been released from our lives and the absolute freedom that floods our heart if we'll just not throw the rocks but build an altar. And as I bring this to a close right now, I want to have a quick look at Ephesians 4 and verse 29, which almost sort of ties the whole thing up. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I mean, I assure you this teaching is for me firstly tonight. Too many times I've reacted and burst out with unwholesome talk, which is anything that doesn't line up with God's word. There are times where rebuke is necessary. Even Jesus turned over the, the tables of the money lenders. But honestly, I think mostly it's out of personal irritation, embarrassment, or we just got out of the wrong side of the bed. And we don't always stand up for what is right because of maybe fear of persecution or being unpopular. It's just easier to stay under the radar. 007, undercover Christians. You know, we need to ask ourselves, if I was arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? I want to share with you prayer that really has been my go-to since I was a young girl. And it's really St. Francis of Assisi, and he says this, Lord, give me the peace to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Family, we need to know when to speak, what to speak, and when to stay silent. I'd like to ask right now if every eye could be closed, every head can be bowed. I'd like to hand over to the pastors in the venues right now. 
Now I'm going to just ask you, if that's you, if maybe you feel you've been carrying offenses, or maybe you feel that there's unforgiveness that you just haven't released. Somebody's hurt you and you just say, you don't understand, Pastor Jenny, this thing is just too big. Maybe you've never received Jesus in your life because I assure you, my, my friend, he's bigger. He will remove that offense. He will flood your heart with a freedom that you never knew was possible. So tonight, you can change that. You can experience the same freedom that this businessman had, that complete, if I can even say lightness that you would feel. So I'm gonna just pray with you in a few moments. If you've maybe, maybe you're listening to this tonight and you say, you know what, I got born again, but there's so many things you said tonight that I just feel that I'm falling short and I wanna rededicate my life. Well, I'm gonna pray with you in a moment as well. And tonight, if you wanna be sure that you know that you know, to know that you, you're gonna have eternity in heaven with the Lord, I'd like you to be a part of this prayer as well. So three things, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you wanna receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you want to be sure that you're going to heaven or if you wanna rededicate your life to the Lord right now, I'm gonna ask you if you would just pray with me at this time. My Jesus, I give my life to you right now. I try to do it on my own and I can't. I invite you to be my personal Lord and Savior change me, Lord. Let me be like you, Lord. Help me to forgive those that have, that have hurt me, that have harmed me. And I receive your forgiveness right now. In Jesus' name, I am a child of God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.